0: We've got some history. A phrase to imply something good, something challenging. We've known each other for a long time. Maybe we know each other's secrets. The evolution of a relationship. Do I trust you? Do you trust me? Disclosure happening over time. The other day we were at Working Out CrossFit Grow, okay? And usually we start our workouts with introduce yourself, and then there's a question of the day, okay? And that particular question of the day is, what sort of books do you like to read? What genre of literature do you enjoy the most, okay? So I'm standing next to my friend of mine, and he introduces himself, and then he's like, the, 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 the genre of books that he appreciates the most are, are, are um, uh, self-help, self-improvement. I leaned over. I'm like, you don't read much, do you? It was a joke. It was a total joke. But it was funny, right? You know, I like history, okay? I like history a lot. And then I flexed and I was like, like, Washington's turn off. And did you know a whole bunch of stuff, which you should actually read because it's really intriguing? Because, like, Washington was viewed as this bad guy by some people because he forced the American troops in the Revolutionary War to get vaccinated against smallpox. This is crazy. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. It's just history. All I'm saying is just, do we learn from history? Do we repeat history? Do we just like the good parts of history? Hence the quote from my dad that's at the top of your program. The reality that the good old days weren't so good, spoken by a guy who saw some pretty crazy stuff, not the least of which his dad abusing physically his mom. How things were, right? Or how things have changed, how things have not changed, how things will change, how things will not change. The history of the situation, the history of our lives, the the importance of looking back at who we are and who we have been and how who we have been influences who we are. And some folks just say, well, I don't even want to talk about history. This, this isn't a book you're going to like. Some people are like, I don't want to dig into my history. And, and I understand some history is painful. Well, what we have today is, is, is history, right? And it's God revealing God's self in a way that over time makes the sense, the most sense, for most people. So jump with me, page 1005, verse 1, chapter 9, book of Hebrews Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Not because the author couldn't speak in detail, but it was beyond the scope of what was attempting to be discovered. Verse 9, these preparations have thus been made. The priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood. which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. The bits and pieces, the hints, the guidelines, the history of how it should be done, okay? So the tent's got two sections, okay? There's an outer section, okay? And in the outer section, you have a lampstand, okay? And you need a lampstand because it's a dark tent, okay? If you don't have the lampstand, you don't have candles burning, okay? And if you don't have candles burning, you can't see, okay? So the lampstand is one of the key components. The other key is this table, right? And this table has the bread of the presence, okay? Now, the bread of the presence was uh, basically 12 loaves of bread. And it was symbolic for ethnic Israel, okay, and symbolic of ethnic Israel. Symbolic for the 12 tribes and symbolic that God was with them. The most holy place, the second part, was a place without a lampstand because it didn't need light, because the glory of the Lord shone in that space, which is kind of intriguing. There's the golden altar of incense. Now, here's where most commentators and the Old Testament has issue a little bit with the author of Hebrews, because most people place okay, and this is be by uh, Old Testament uh, um, uh, order that the altar of incense was actually in the first tenth spot, not in the second tenth spot. And so people have wrestled with, why did the author of Hebrews put it in the most holy place rather than in the holy place, okay, because it should have been in the holy place, not in the most holy place. And there's all sorts of different opinions about that. We don't need to necessarily take a lot of time about it. There's also the Ark of the Covenant, That one. There's a golden urn near or in the Ark of the Covenant that has manna. Okay, the people of Israel escaping Egypt, they need food. God rains down manna, and so there's this golden urn that has, through a miracle, preserved manna in it. Right, which is really kind of an cool trick. Okay, and then there's also the um, Aaron's staff. Okay, Aaron's staff that budded. Okay, the Staff was cut off, one of the miracles, it budded, and people are like, oh, wow, Aaron's the guy, we're going to follow Aaron. Tables of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, perhaps you've heard of them, perhaps some of you follow some of them. The Cherubim of Glory, okay, so these two angelic beings, representations, okay, that like were affixed to the top, again, think Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those are the bits and pieces. The ritual is really almost a little bit nursery rhyme-like because the high priests, when you think about it, were butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. That's kind of what they did. They slaughtered animals. They made bread, and they made sure that the candles never went out, okay? That was their role. They did that, okay? And that was super, super important. The bread, okay, and I imagine, we think of like a loaf of bread like this. I imagine that the loaves of bread were like six feet long, okay? Well, six feet long. That would be only about five feet long. Six feet long, okay? And they're just massive pieces of bread, okay? And and, and so they would be baked weekly, okay? And they would last in the holy place for a week, and then they would be recycled, okay? The priests would eat them, they would recycle the bread. Sorry. And put new bread out, okay? So that was one of the jobs. Second job, they would keep the candles burning, okay? They would keep the candles burning, and they would make candles necessary to keep the candles burning. Candles were to never go out, okay? And the third was they were to sacrifice on behalf of the people, Now, that was in the holy place. Now, the most holy place was a place that was off limits most of the time for all of the people except for one. The high priest, once a year, only with blood, would go in and offer, ask for forgiveness for himself. He was a guy and forgiveness for the unintentional sins of the people. Now, that's not a misprint, right? We kind of want to think in terms of, oh, God just likes to forgive sins, you know? But, but it's very clear, both in the Old Testament and here in the book of Hebrews, it was only for the unintentional, unintentional, not the sins that we intend. The saying, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. That doesn't apply here. That's not one of those sins that would get covered over. We were, yesterday, we were at Madison Sourdough in Madison, Wisconsin, okay? And Madison Sourdough, it's really kind of a bit of a misnomer because it was more, had like French pastries, the lamination on, on, on their cinnamon roll was absolutely amazing, breathtakingly. Okay, so Tanya and I and Anna were standing in line, okay, looking at what we're going to order, waiting for the next person to move out of the way, we are get all the front, and this lady comes, right? And she's like, um, I'm just here to pick something up, can I put in line? can I go in front of you? She didn't say butt in line. That's what I said later. And, and we're like, well, the line over there for food that's been pre-ordered, you can just get in that line. And then she just steps in front of us. Okay. You know, go off. Icon, queen. And she hadn't pre-ordered anything. No, Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I'm at a, a point where I am I'm tested in my, my, my followership of Jesus Christ because I want to, like... Well, it's, that sin was unintentional. It wouldn't have been covered by the ritual. The butchers, the bakers, the candlestick makers. And though I was shocked... I did not go off on her. Because <laughs> what good would it do, right? What good would it do? Th- that's part of it. This isn't in my notes, but you're like, you're like, like driving for six hours. You're like, there's all sorts of people on the road, right? And you're like, are you one of those people that tailgate? I used to be a person that tailgated. What good does that do? How does that help Anything? Just tell me. Tell me. I had a friend once who said, stop tailgating. And I was like, he's like, I used to drive like that. Don't drive like that. And he's right. What good does it do? Oh, we got to get there, what, 30 seconds earlier? Just, uh. The Symbolism. Verse 8. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open as long as the first section, the holy of holies, not the holiest of holies, is still standing. The Holy Spirit, through the Old Testament ritual, through the Old Testament bits and pieces, is saying, slow down, boys and girls. You don't get to go in there. You go in there, you die. We're not playing games. We might argue, why the hierarchy? I don't know, I think in part it's a product of the times, right? Cavalier attitude towards a number of different things. That God wanted a healthy respect from his created order. We might understand it, right? If someone's a bit too cavalier, you might be going like, you know, just slow down a little bit. You just take the tone of your voice and dial it back just a little bit. We'd never need to be told that, right? Right? I think that's what's going on with the old testament example the old testament covenant the earthly holy place that we find in hebrews chapter 9. god's saying slow down just a little bit you're not quite as impressive as you think you are as the first section still stands prior to the work of jesus we might add the way into the holy place is not open for all now we understand right after the death of Christ, the, the, the curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place is tore from top to bottom. And that limited access to God is no longer limited. It's no longer mitigated by a human high priest. And we discover those implications in a more robust way next week. The work of Christ, the access to God, the witness of the Holy Spirit But before that, there was a limit. Go no further than this. And sometimes I think we miss that when we deal with God. Sometimes I think I'm a little too cavalier, a little too friendly, a little too presumptive. That that when it says the unintentional sins were forgiven, it's kind of suggesting the intentional (laughs) sins, it's kind of suggesting someone who is defiant, who shakes their fist at God and says, I'm going to do what I want to do in the way that I want to do it. God views that person differently. That, That, to me, is what the Old Testament record is suggesting. And certainly I understand Jesus Christ offers forgiveness. Please, hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus Christ offers forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That is what the book says. And, and, if we live our lives with this perspective that it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission if we intentionally live in a way in which we know the things that we're doing are at least charcoal gray? Do you hear me? Verse 9 and 10. Which is symbolic for the present age, according to the arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of Reformation. The time of Reformation, next week, come back, pitching shamelessly. The limitation, though, right? The limitation of the Old Covenant, what was it? Well, I mean, besides the people's unwillingness to follow it, (laughs) besides the, the leadership of the nation of Israel, who should have had God at front and center, putting God to the side and replacing God with other gods. Okay, The book of Judges that we're studying on Wednesday night, (laughs) fleshing that out in great detail. The limitation, besides the people's unwillingness to follow, yeah, besides that. The writer of Hebrews says the old law can't perfect the conscience of the worshiper. The old law can't make you like the person you see in the mirror. You ever done that? Just look in the mirror. Just just look in the mirror. Do I like myself? Do I like the lines that I see? The old law can't perfect the conscience of the worshiper. The old law can't make you like the person that you see in the mirror. Which means, even though we get to it next week, there exists a hope that it doesn't always have to be this way. that the old law can't restore your value, my value as being created in the image of God. Perhaps that's the thing that's most troubling when we intersect with folks, is that, is that even in my own life, okay, when I wipe out, either intentionally or unintentionally, it, it's almost always because I'm settling for something less than the image of God in which I was created. Almost always, and by almost always, I mean like 100% of the time. It's because I'm substituting what the world wants to put on me versus who God says that I am when I am found in His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you like the person you see in the mirror? When you look into the mirror, do you see a person created in the image of God? Or do you see a person held captive by your past? Held captive by what you think the world wants you to be? Held captive by the need to, I don't know, what are our favorite things? Make more money, be politically aligned. Achieve value in drinking a bottle because it helps medicate us. Achieve value in in experimenting in all sorts of sexual craziness because it makes us feel good for like 30 seconds. What the new covenant does is it restores the value of being created in the image of God. What the new covenant does is is it... (laughs) It allows you to like the person that you see in the mirror. Now, I would be the first to argue that while the Old Testament, Old Covenant wasn't perfect, incomplete, didn't do everything that it needed to do or that God wanted it to do, I would also argue that the New Covenant, bear with me for a second, especially theologically astute, the new testament new covenant also doesn't answer all the questions and the reason why i say that is that we're not in heaven yet that until we get there there's mystery there's there's a sense of what in the world is going on at times But but this I know to be true. There was enough in history for people like Enoch to walk with God, okay? Even before the Old Testament covered, okay? In Genesis, it talks about this cat named Enoch, okay? And it's like, Enoch walked with God. That is the coolest thing in the world. And there's enough, okay? There's this, this, this iconic individual, right? Rahab? who's grafted into the people of God, okay? And there's enough in the Old Covenant for Rahab, even though she had a life coming out of prostitution, becomes part of the line of Jesus. Talk about a checkered past. There's enough for Rahab to find her way into the people of God. And throughout the Old Testament, there has been enough for a group Always faithful to be known eternally as the people of God, and so while the old, the old covenant was not fully formed like the new covenant is, be the first. There was enough there to walk with God, and the new is just about the bend, ready to be discovered by the faithful, and that discovery is but a taste of what will someday be. The people of God in ancient history hoped for something more and a pathway was provided to keep them moving forward. The people of God in recent history have hoped for something more and a pathway was provided to keep them moving forward. And the people of God today, us, we hope for something more We never forget the pathway that we follow. It is the way of Christ. It is quite peculiar at times. Always full of adventure, rarely a dull moment. But it asks the same eternal question. Will we follow God? So yesterday leaving madison sourdough which like i said is a bit of a misnomer because i didn't really even see any sourdough i just saw lots of laminated pastries and i've been quite honest with this whole process and you're probably tired of hearing about it but this has been one of those transitions in my life that i didn't anticipate being this hard the morning was crisp but not cold you know what i'm talking about I mean, cold enough where your, your hands were cold, but not cold enough where you wanted to have gloves on? And, and Anna's right there, right here. We're walking down the sidewalk. Okay? I just reached down and found her hand. And it was warm. It was so warm. It was amazing. And I just grabbed her hand. And we walked. Tears streaming down my face. And we walked. And it was a perfect birthday present. Which if you're keeping score, it's not too late. I'll still accept presents. (laughs) It's all that God wants. That's all that he wants. He, He just wants you to be willing to be by his side. He wants you to reach down with your hand and grab his and just. Our prayer, Father, is that through your Spirit you would speak to our souls not just in this tender time but throughout our days. Enable us like the ancients to be found faithful and walk with you.